When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 191 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are exploring how to best revere old but quality items in a society that tells us that new is always best. Out with the old, in with the new, right? It's a popular saying, and it's popular because by and large, it's how most of us live. And I do know I am preaching to the choir right now, but we are told from a young age that what's new and shiny is best, and we're taught to poo-poo items that are old and weathered and out of style. My guest today, however, argues that it's the older and not quite so pristine items that have the power and the history needed to infuse character into our spaces. Now, full disclosure, I am not an expert in home design, home decor. (laughs) So I'm speaking today with Marianne Canada. Marianne is an interior designer by trade, but she's also an executive producer at HGTV, as well as the host of HGTV's very own podcast, HGTV Obsessed. Marianne, I am so excited to talk with you today. How are you? Oh my goodness. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. It is a beautiful day. I'm always happy when I can chat with a new friend. (laughs) Well, yes, we are destined to be friends. I absolutely love talking to fellow podcast hosts. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today, which of course is giving old stuff new life. I need a lot of help with this, by the way, but uh, (laughs) tell my listeners who you are, what you podcast about, and what you do in your free time. Yeah, so I'm Marianne Canada. I'm an executive producer for HGTV. Uh, I work in our in our digital department, our digital studios. So I create a lot of content um, all across the internet: YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. You know, if you can watch video content somewhere, uh, we're out there out there trying to create it for you. And I'm also the host of HGTV's first ever podcast, HGTV Obsessed, where I talk to HGTV stars, you know, other podcast people, influencers in the home and design space about everything home and garden. Well, as someone who is absolutely obsessed with HGTV, I'm so thrilled that there is a podcast (laughs) for me to just get HGTV in my ears all day long. And I'm so thrilled to talk to you because it sounds like you wear many hats as they relate to what we're discussing today. 
Now, I really wanted to cover this topic and I wanted to have an expert on because, you know, the the older stuff, especially when it comes to furniture, the older furniture is often quality furniture made from real wood designed to withstand the test of time. And if you and me and my listeners are fortunate enough to have some of these old items passed down to us, that says something about their quality because they are decades old. But that said, the problem arises when this old stuff, whatever it may be, it might be old furniture, it might be old trinkets, antiques even, they look dated. And in today's 2021 contemporary society, or contemporary loving society, I should say, I want to get into like how exactly we can give these old but quality items new lives. So let's start there. Let's talk about like family heirlooms and the antiques. How can we add them into our our 2021 homes without it feeling forced or awkward or out of place? Yes, this is such a great question. You are entirely correct. I mean, furniture that was made, you know, 50, 60, 100 years ago is often incredible quality. It's often made with, you know, old hardwoods that that just because of, you know, the world we live in that we may not have access to, craftsmanship that is not really done anymore. But Sometimes they don't really go with your personal style. I like to call some of these hand me don'ts instead of hand me downs uh, because, you know, you love them and you love the memory, you love the person that you associate these items with. But depending on your style, they don't really fit in. I think that something that's really exciting about interior design right now is this idea of attaining a collected and layered space. For a long time in interior design, um, people really, you know, put themselves in a box. You know, they decided, I I am mid-century modern. I am Scandinavian. I am farmhouse. I am traditional. You know, everyone really uh, prescribed to, this is my style and everything needs to be this style. But now we've really seen this this evolution into a space that allows for for multiple styles. So I would start there. I would look at your space and think think of these items whether they're pieces of furniture or artwork or trinkets or objects, think of them as another layer in your space and a way to really make it personal and really feel collected. I love leafing through a crate and barrel catalog, right? Like everything is just so pristine and so perfect. But a part of what you said really resonated with me, which is that essentially our homes are not crate and barrel catalogs. We need to personalize our space and perhaps adding in those family heirlooms or those antiques can do that. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. I mean, I think that those catalogs, those stores... They can be really helpful for people who, you know, maybe don't have a passion for interior design and who just, they want a beautiful space, but they don't really know where to start. And to them, being able to look at a catalog and be like, I just want everything on page 62, that can be um, really helpful for them. 
for me, as someone with a passion for design and with a passion for my space, I I don't ever want someone to walk into my house and be like, oh, I saw this exact room laid out at Ikea. You know, that is just, um, that's not... That's not my end goal. So layering in those those personal pieces, the pieces with story, the pieces with history is the first step into having a space that's truly your own. Okay. So I hear what you're saying there. Uh, But as somebody who perhaps might want my entire living room to look like the showroom at at Ikea because I don't know what I'm doing, I need to know like though how do you do it let's say i have a vase from i don't know 1920 let's say how do i add that into my contemporary living room like specifically how without it just looking like the eyesore in the room just looking completely out of place right well i think that is where things need things need a buddy so it is very challenging. There are certainly designers who are the masters of true minimalism and can have one single object on one table and, you know, maybe one one lamp with it and, and it looks right. But for the average person, I think things need a buddy. So if we're talking about bringing in that that vase that looks, you know, you're like, what is this you know, Chinese blue blue and white pottery, for example, what is this doing in this very Scandinavian Danish modern room? So that's where you need to give you need to give that vase some buddies. Maybe bring in some favorite coffee table books or some some art books and stack those up, put the vase on top. Bring in another complimentary piece that goes with it, maybe another smaller vase or piece of pottery or a a little trinket dish. Um, Bring in some lighting, a lamp with it. And then suddenly it looks like you've got a collection of items versus this one thing that really does stick out like a sore thumb. Okay, Marianne, you're you're convincing me. I <laughs> I have the vase in my mind and now I put it next to a lamp with some books and it's looking good. But I feel as though for many of us without that interior design background, we can display this stuff, but it then just becomes like visual chaos. Do you have any words of encouragement for those people like me? Yes. I mean, that is always the challenge. I always, whenever I put anything out, there's always in the back of my head, oh, this is just another thing that you have to dust or, <laughs> you know, that's that's cluttering up this corner. I think just listen to that voice. Try to live with it for a few days, for a few weeks before you just immediately um, – you know, maybe put it back in the in the closet you pulled it out of. I think that we are humans are creatures of habit. Change is hard. For some people, it's harder than others. My husband is definitely someone who would be happy if we decorated once and just left everything exactly the way it is. Whereas poor guy, he married a designer. So I'm constantly wanting to change and tweak and move things and and try out new things. But that would be my number one tip is to live with it for a little bit because eventually your eye, your brain will start to accept that as as your, your new surrounding and it will become a little normal for you. And if after a couple of weeks you don't get there, 
well, that's probably a sign that that is not the place for these items. You need to maybe try a different spot, move it into a different room, maybe move it into a bedroom. Maybe you prefer to have your your living space um, simplified, but you're happy to have you know more more cozy objects to look at in your bedroom. You had mentioned that you love to move stuff around. And so I'm veering off course a little bit, but I just have to ask you, I wouldn't forgive myself if I (laughs) let you go and didn't ask you this question. How do you refresh your space, update your decor, if you will, without always heading to your go-to store to to buy something? Oh, yes. I mean, this is the the constant struggle, right? I really do believe in start within your own space. Now, not all of us have, I mean, I am very guilty of this. I have literally, I call it the prop closet. It's this it's this um, storage space in my basement where I keep things th- things that I like, but that I don't have a spot for right now. You know, rugs, artwork, lamps. It's really, it's like a, a treasure trove. So start within your space. There may be something in a room that is really kind of not getting um, not getting the attention, not getting the focus that it really deserves. Try moving things around within your own house. But I I love you know, new things or rather new to me. I actually am a huge vintage lover. So I also always start with thrift stores or looking, you know, I love Facebook marketplace. For me, the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of finding something really unique and beautiful and bringing that into my house is much more satisfying than going to, you know, a big box store and picking up a vase that is one of 20 of the same thing on the shelf. There's no shame in in shopping and in buying something new, but I really love finding something really unique and one of a kind and getting a great deal on it. Hmm. What I hear you saying there is two very important points. The first is that older stuff has the character, right? And the second thing you're saying is that essentially what you do when you refresh your home's decor is you're shopping you're shopping your home and i advocate for this all the time i do not have a full closet <laughs> worth of decor to be fully honest but i do have a, a a big box of decor items the vases the um i don't know there's a mirror in there there's like candlestick holders uh to you know, so instead of going out and bringing more stuff in as minimalists, that's that's not necessarily what what we're all dying to do. But when we just kind of rotate the stuff we already have, I feel as though that's a real powerful way to update the space, uh, create new visual enjoyment, and you know, and that's it. <laughs> Let me, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think too, I would I would um, not be um, acknowledging my crafty side if I didn't mention, you can always look at those items and think about ways you can update them as well. You know, maybe you give those candlesticks a coat of matte black spray paint and they feel, you know, they feel new and fresh and different again. Or maybe you have a, a pillow 
that has a nice down insert, but you're tired of the pillow, so you buy a new pillow cover, and and then that makes your couch feel like it it got a little bit of a facelift. Um, there are a lot of small actions you can take like that to to really feel like you've freshened up your space a little bit. It doesn't have to be. I've I've always been fascinated by. Um, the idea that a lot of, you know, catalogs and design magazines preach, which is like, you know, uh, updating your home for summer or for the season. It's not really accessible for most people, but changing out a pillow, adding a coat of spray paint to something, you know, those, those small actions can give you a big impact. I want to talk to you all about what we can do with the old but quality furniture. So those big those big items after a quick word from this week's sponsor. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Gemist. I can never find shampoo that works for me, and I'm tired of investing in products that don't work for my hair. That's why I'm thrilled to have found Gemist. I took their quick quiz, then their algorithm matched me with the right shampoo and conditioner for me. It's not magic, it's science. Gemist has addressed my biggest hair concerns, like its frizziness for one, and my hair's now soft, clean, and definitely less frizzy. Even better, I'm no longer wasting money and resources on the wrong products. And did I mention that Gemist is also free of parabens, dyes, and sulfates? Right now, my listeners can give Gemist a try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner smart subscription. Smart subscribers already save 20% on each order, so this is an amazing deal. And with free two-day shipping, you can have it this weekend. Just visit Gemist.com to get your personalized recommendation and enter Minimalist at checkout for 20% off your subscription and free two-day shipping. That's G-E-M-M-I-S-T dot com and enter code MINIMALIST at checkout to get the best hair of your life. And we're back with Marianne Canada from HDTV Obsessed, the podcast based on my guilty pleasure, HDTV. Marianne, I want to talk to you about the old but quality furniture conundrum. And before I ask my question, I'm going to set it up with a true story. <laughs> oh, great. Um, my husband's grandmother, as she downsized her home, gave us her dining room set. So it's a solid mahogany set. It is oh, wow. two gigantic serving storage pieces a table that seats 10 comfortably, and it's just in impeccable shape. However, it looks like it came from when she bought it, which was, I believe, 1952. What tips and tricks do you have for me who, you know, wants to keep this stuff? This is quality, heavy-duty furniture with a history. Uh, but it just doesn't match our taste. What on earth can I do with this? Well, this is a great question. It sounds like a very impressive set of furniture, but I I do. I feel like I can picture it. It's kind of that like post uh, Victorian, um, very dark, very large, very substantial. I mean, no one is going to, you know, break one of those dining room chairs. (laughs) 
I'm sure, I'm sure they will outlive us all. Um, but this is, this is really a challenge. And I think that there's a few options you can look into. Something that I recommend if you, especially if you really don't like the stain or the finish um, on an older piece of furniture is look into refinishing it. And that, that can sound kind of daunting, but it actually is a relatively easy process. There are a lot of products on the market. Um, one of my favorite is called Citra Stripper and it is a natural furniture stripper. It, um, it's, uses orange oil. Uh, it is still very, it has a very strong smell. So you do want to do it in a well-ventilated area, but see what it looks like. Maybe you take the underside of one of the chairs and you test an area and see what it looks like if you do lift off that finish. Because what you can find with a lot of a lot of this old dark wood furniture is that the wood is very beautiful. And if you remove that heavy dated stain, sometimes the raw wood underneath is gorgeous. Then you could either restain it, you could do, you know, choose a different color, or you could do a clear polyurethane if you like the raw wood look, or do my favorite thing, which is actually a, a nice coat of furniture wax, which really gives it it almost gives it a, a Scandinavian vibe, like you've just got this beautiful waxed raw wood. So that is something I always uh, recommend people look into if they if they really want really want to dramatically change the look and feel. And the great thing about it is you can always go back. You can always go back to that dark stain. Um, it's just you know another another DIY project. Um, another thing that. I think can help blend in these these large, heavy, um, dated furniture pieces is split them up a little bit. You know, maybe you put the chairs in a different room or or put the chairs into storage and mix in, you know, a different style of dining chair with the table, which, you know, makes it look a, a little bit less like this monolith, you know, seating 10. That sounds like a very... Uh, kind of intense thing. So maybe maybe we swap out the chairs and that makes it feel a little less imposing. Hmm. I love that suggestion of splitting it up. That never occurred to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's a great idea. I, I think people get these sets and you just you're like the set has to stay together, but it 1000% does not. I wanted to talk to you about reupholstering. This is my go-to trick for the older but quality pieces that, you know, just need a refresh. Do you have any words of encouragement for people who might have that uh, side chair or that dining room chair? How can reupholstering benefit them? Oh, this is such a great question. And my... um my secret is the one skill, the one DIY skill that I do not have that I wish I had is being able to reupholster furniture. Now I can recover, you know, the seat of a dining room chair. That's a very, um, a very straightforward and and easy process. But truly, reupholstering furniture is uh, an art form, and it's very labor intensive, and you really have to know what you're doing. So I would say if you 
have a piece that has great bones, right? It has a great shape. You know it's a well-made piece, but you just don't love the upholstery or it's gotten a little threadbare or stained. Finding a quality upholsterer is worth its weight in gold. Um, The number one thing to keep in mind is it is not cheap. I think that sometimes people think they're going to save money by recovering something rather than buying something new. And if you're doing it right, that's not always the case. However, it is so worth it because then you have this beautiful quality piece of furniture. The new upholstery will last you for years and years and you will love it. You will love it more than if you just went to the store and bought a new side chair. So my tip would be to save for it, to know what you're up against, to really be thoughtful with the fabric that you choose. Make sure you're choosing something that is the correct weight for upholstery so that the investment really will last. Hmm. So much of what you said there resonates with me. I have a side chair uh, in my home that, you know, it just it had caning on the back. So that oh. gives you an idea of how old it was. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't bear to let it go because, again, it was passed down to us from family members. And so, you know, I looked at my options. I looked at buying a new chair. I looked at reupholstering and removing the caning. And you're right, the reupholstering was not cheap, but it was still cheaper than buying a quality chair for that space. Yes. And so then it was a no-brainer at that point. For anybody who has a upholstering project in on their to-do list, I would suggest that you find a reupholsterer who also can help you choose the right fabric, has a bit of a design background. I was lucky. I did not search out this <laughs> this professional, but he, you know, he said send me the Send me a picture of your oriental rug uh, so that we can find the right fabric to, you know, match. I would have assumed. So here's this is a little off topic, but the oriental rug in the living room is red, white and blue. And no, it is not the American flag. It's just like an amalgamation of those colors. And red is the dominant color in there in the rug. And so I assumed some awesome red modern pattern to make the room more youthful. Uh, But no, he said, pick the color in that rug that you see the least. I I would never have done this. So we did a navy blue chair in a really crazy pattern. And it is the focal point in the room. And it really just, I love it. I love it because I put some time and thought and effort and energy into its transformation And when you love something more, that's the point, right? Like surrounding yourself with the stuff that you love. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I mean, that chair is always going to delight you. You're always going to look at that and just feel that little thrill. And I do think that you make such a great point about working with your upholsterer, there are actually so many things you can do to a piece of furniture that people don't um, know about. They think that you just, you take something and you're, you're going to get the exact same piece of furniture back, but just with different fabric on it. But you can actually 
work with an upholsterer to change the structure of the piece. You know, if you have a sofa that has three cushions on the seat and, you know, someone's always having to sit in like the crack of the cushion or whatnot, you can change that into one long cushion. You know, you can add tufting to to a piece of furniture. You can add, you know, welt cording around in the trim. You can add tassels along the bottom if you want to go really kind of, you know, Victorian boudoir with it. Um, But there are so many things that you can do to really change a piece of furniture, you know, add, add some down batting to it and make it really squishy and inviting. As long as you have a really solid um, piece that that's the, the skeleton of the furniture, you, the possibilities are endless. I have one more question for you, Marianne, and that is about refinishing ourselves. That's all the rage these days, right? Refinishing furniture. You had mentioned it earlier. You gave me heart palpitations when you were talking about, (laughs) you know, stripping my mahogany dining room table. For anybody listening who has never refinished anything and is super timid about the thought of even trying, what should listeners know before attempting a gigantic DIY project themselves? It's a great question. And I know it is, it can be very intimidating, very overwhelming. If you can, I really recommend starting small. Start, pick up an old picture frame, you know, do something that is low stakes, um, set yourself up for success, start small, do your homework, um, not just, you know, fully reading the directions on the back of the bottle, which um, that's honestly my number one thing is read all the way to the end, because you don't want to get halfway through the process and realize, oh, whoops, this needs to sit for 24 hours. And I, I only gave myself, you know, two hours to do this project. So read the directions fully, look online, look for people who have tackled this themselves start small, and then just be patient with yourself. I mean, I really feel like it can be very daunting and you need to give yourself a little grace. And if it is something that is truly irreplaceable, maybe consider leaving that to the pros. If you're if you're really a refinishing newbie, I just would hate to see someone do irreparable damage. But I think that in general, like I said, with your table, even, you know, if you're stripping a finish, you can always go back. You can always put put stain back on. It's a little different than choosing to paint a piece of wood furniture. That's when I get very nervous because that is harder to come back from. And there are so many pieces of furniture out there and the wood is so beautiful and it it breaks my heart a little bit to see people paint some of these things. Some wood I have no problem painting, but certain things it's just it's a crime. Well, Marianne, you gave me a lot to think about. So thank you so much for coming on and offering your wisdom. Before we say goodbye, tell us a little bit about HGTV Obsessed and where we can find it. Well, this was such a delight. Thank you so much for having me. HGTV Obsessed is a weekly podcast, and we really cover every topic under the sun in the home and garden and lifestyle space, whether it's organizing, you know, we, we had you on recently to talk about that, um, 
or whether it's gardening or paint or design or, you know, entertaining, um, living with children. We really, we dig into so many topics and we have a really good time while we're doing it too. Um, everyone can listen to HGTV Obsessed wherever you listen to podcasts. And on Thursdays on the HGTV Instagram and Facebook accounts, you can see our posts where we share what we have going on that week. Marianne, thank you so much for coming on the show. I continue to listen to HGTV Obsessed and just really (laughs) feed my HGTV obsession. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Anytime. Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Marianne Canada. I have linked to HGTV Obsessed, the official podcast of HGTV, in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 191. Now, we do have an ego tip this week, and it comes from Michaela. Michaela says that she lives close to her best friend, not in the same house, not in the same apartment, but close enough. So she and her best friend order their shampoo bars and their soap together, which means that just one box comes and it saves some packaging waste and they save on postage as well. I love this eco tip because it can be applied to you and I and our friends and our neighbors next door. If you're both shopping at a specific place, you can have your postage bill. You can save on the plastic packaging or perhaps the boxes by ordering together. So thank you so much, Michaela. Excellent tip. Listeners, I will see you next week. We are discussing downsizing, how we can help our older loved ones downsize without the overwhelm. I will see you then. Have an amazing week and take care.